and we're on. Welcome back, everybody, to So Every Soul Sings, Worship for the Real Church. We are so glad that you are joining us today for a very interesting conversation about family dynamics and ministry. And I wanted to start out with a story, a personal story. Uh, My dad is a United Methodist pastor, and he's retired now, but he was 44 years in ministry as a head pastor. And I do remember when I was a teenager, we planned a family vacation to Disney World. We were going to stay in Kissimmee, St. Cloud, and we are so excited. And right before we left for our vacation, a dear saint in our congregation passed away. And we were not able to go on our vacation because my father you know, needed to take care of the family and do the funeral. That was devastating. (laughs) It was um, very disappointing. Um, That did not happen often, though, I do have to say. And growing up, I did not particularly feel that my dad was never there or didn't come to my concerts or um, events at school or things like that. Um, I didn't feel that ministry took him away from his family too much. But I do know that that's a very common feeling uh, for kids whose parents are in lots of different kinds of ministry, head pastors or youth pastors, children's pastors, worship pastors, lots of different kinds. So we're actually going to dive into this topic today and talk about some pretty vulnerable personal things that you would like to share with the world. <laughs> I would, and, and I titled it, I, originally this was going to be a blog post and it still may be, but I, I just titled it 10 Ways I Blew It as a Worship Pastor Dad, because I really did blow it. Um, and I, I have to say right off, our daughters are amazing. Um, they are both walking with Jesus. They are both serving in the local church. They are both... Um, uh, they're just incredible. And so even though I blew it, I want to say from the get-go, if you feel like you've blown it or you are blowing it, God is a better parent than we are. And he's got your back. And when you blow it, he still finds ways to turn that around and, and use it and, and all that sort of thing. So I don't want any of us to feel under guilt or judgment from this list. I actually just want to be able to say, man, if I could go back to when Catherine was born over 25 years ago, and tell myself some things to do differently. These would be the things I would tell myself. And some of you listening are just now becoming parents or you have young children, or maybe you have children who have children and you can point them to this podcast or friends in ministry, because these are, these aren't unique to ministry, but I think they are exaggerated by ministry. And so you may have friends that would benefit. So feel free to share I mean, always feel free to share the podcast. That'd be awesome. But specifically, specifically, if you have people that you know would benefit from this content, I hope that you will share it with them because I think it can make a difference. I'm excited about it. So we have a long list and we're going to try to get through some of them today and then we might do another one another day and finish up. So yeah, we'll just go ahead and call this part one of two. Yes. And I I, I don't want to like pretend that you really are caring that much about the last five. So I'm going to tell you all 10. I'm not going to hold you like a teaser, Uh, but I do want to get through all of them um, so that you know what they are and then really talk for a minute or two about each. Um, And so, yeah, let's, 
Run through them, Bethany. What do we got? Okay, number one, self-care or a lack yeah. of. Yeah, you know the flight attendant thing. Put the oxygen mask on yourself first and then on those you're traveling with. It's just self-care. What's the second one? Modeling time with Jesus every day. Yes, I don't mean like be a model with Jesus in the audience. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, model for people what it looks like for your children, for your family, what it looks like to spend time with Jesus every day. And to do that, the correlation of modeling really is that people do have to see you. Like I remember at my grandfather's funeral, um, my cousin saying, I remember walking in and catching them catching them having their daily devotion time. So yeah, modeling that in front of them. Number yes, three more is caught than taught. Yes. What's number number three? three, I was afraid of my kids. I bet you're not the only parent that feels that way. You know, it's, it's interesting. And I, I've never heard anybody talk about this, but I think you're right. I think some of us, especially people pleasers struggle with this. So we'll come back and talk about that. What's number four. Family devotion and scripture conversations and memorization. Yeah, that's a lot. But the whole idea of like a family worship time always intimidated me. And so we had blessings around the meal and we had spiritual conversations. I don't mean that we never did. Um, but I just I want to talk for a couple of minutes about how that may be more accessible than um, than you feel like it is if you're in this stage of life. And number five. Praying for them daily about their future and their future lives. Yeah. The daily part is the kicker because I have sure prayed for my kids, but I just wish I had been more um, consistent and faithful day to day. And some of you, you know, are rock stars at this, but I did not do that as I had wished, as I wish I had. Number six. Too much reacting and not enough planning and thinking long term. Yeah. Yeah. It's that uh, Andy Stanley's wife um, talked about this in a podcast I heard from him years ago. Um, and she, and she said the days take forever and the years fly by. She's the first it's person I heard so, say that. So yeah. true. I'm and there the right years, now, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If, if you're in coronavirus time, you are definitely there parents. Yep. I'm sorry. Uh, but yeah, just the whole, <laughs> the years flying by thing, like they're going to be gone before you know it, but it doesn't feel like it today. And nope. so having the big picture in mind, we'll come back and talk about that. Uh, what's next? Number seven. Yeah, this is a biggie, money and how to manage it. Yeah, I didn't grow up in a home where money was managed well, and so I didn't know how to do it. And so we haven't done it well, and therefore we've not passed that along. Our our kids haven't caught that. Now, again, they're both doing way better with money than we did at their <laughs> age or any age, um, but they sure didn't get it from us, or at least not the way I wished we had. So we'll talk about that a little bit. And number eight? Loving their mom insufficiently. Yeah, I once heard a pastor say the best thing you can do if you're in ministry, the best thing you can do for your congregation is love your spouse well in front of them. How much more true is that for our children? Like I I I want them to I want them to be hard for them to say yes when a man asks to marry them because of the standards set by their dad. And and I I really want to talk about that for a couple minutes. Number 9 talking about church more than Jesus. Yeah, because we tend to equate those. And, and I get frustrated when church members talk about, well, yeah, they must be a Christian because they go to church. Well, you know, it's just a different thing to have a relationship with a church than it is to have a relationship with Jesus. And sometimes church 
conversation dominated when really Jesus conversation should have. And so let's, let's come back and talk about that. And number 10, drum roll, please. That's an awesome. Going... <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> going, to, going to bed late and sleeping late. <clears throat> Which was my pattern. I thought I was a night owl until I got old. Like a year or two ago, I started waking up early. <laughs> I'm not that old, but um, I'm 54. And so sometime around 52 or 53, I started waking up at 5.30 or 6. Just And I've actually, honestly, I've always been looking forward to that, like because old people would always tell me that was too. So I'm like, I can't wait to get there. Yes. And I love it. I do. Here's the trick. You have to go to bed. And honestly, number, number 10 <laughs> to me is a keystone habit. It's the kind of habit that if you will break into number 10, then you will have a far greater potential or margin or space to battle numbers one through nine. So that's why I want to wrap up with that at the end of part two. But for today, let's go back to self-care, the whole put the oxygen mask on yourself first. Um, Bethany, how do you take now, care of yourself? Well, go. Oh, yes. So in, obviously you're not talking about like grooming <laughs> or, well, or hygiene. Although some uh, people might need to hear that. <laughs> well, yeah, I guess. I guess if, if you need to hear that. Uh, yes. Do shower, shower regularly. Um, yes. Yeah, so yeah. this is talking about um, our whole person. We are not just, you know, bodies. We are minds and souls and spirits. And we need to take care of all of those. It's like a garden. You have to water it. You have to weed it. You have to plant good stuff in it. I'm always talking to my kids about planting good things mm. in their minds and in their hearts. So yeah. uh, for me, uh, the number one way that I take care of myself, honestly, for all of those realms is exercise. Mm. I have to have it. I know that I have to have it. And if I do not do it regularly, I am not healthy spiritually and emotionally and mentally more than physical. Yes, it is good for me physically, but I must do that. And it's good for everybody, by the way. <laughs> this isn't just for me. Yeah. Uh, you should try it. If you don't currently exercise, try it. It, it, yeah. it helps me um, not be weirdly emotional for no reason. Hmm. It helps me sleep well. It helps me uh, focus uh, mentally when I'm trying to think about things. It, it literally makes my thoughts clearer and it helps me hear Jesus. It really mm -hmm. does. So that's the number one thing. And then, of course, you know, sleep and good diet. Of course, that's that's important, too. And um, I take care of my relationships uh, with the Lord and with the people in my life. And um, and I try to be aware of where I'm at um, with my health in all of those realms. And I was saying to Rod earlier that the quarantine is starting to get to me a little bit because I've been cooped up with some small people without ever having like a break. And I, I realize that I'm at that point <laughs> where I need a little bit of time away uh, from them in order to be more healthy. So that's what I do. Yeah. My, my pastor who I brag on at every episode. So I'll do that again. Um, <laughs> today, uh, he called me or texted me three or four days, um, maybe a week ago over a very minor issue that a church member had reached out to him about that had to do with me. And it was like, it was not anything that really needed to be talked about 
that night or that day or whatever. It could have waited till we had our regularly scheduled meeting. And then after about three text messages back and forth, he just calls me because he's not, you know, he would rather have tone of voice in the conversation. And, and we worked out the minor frustration. And again, it was just not a big deal. Most things are a big deal. When I hear from my boss, this was not a big deal. And he said that, but he, the, the fascinating thing he said is I should have run before I texted you. Like I should have gone for my run first because of how that releases endorphins, how it gives perspective. And he's a runner. He runs a thousand miles a year or more. Um, I, some of, you know, I think I've talked about it before, but almost a year ago I had bariatric surgery. I've lost 160 pounds. Uh, this morning I ran for three quarters of a mile and walked for a half a mile. Um, that's, I couldn't have walked for a half a mile a year ago. So it's really incredible. And all of the things Bethany said have been true for me as well on this quest to take care of myself. The problem is my children are grown and gone. So they did not see me doing life the way I'm doing it now when they were growing up. So they didn't have a role model as a parent who was eating reasonably well. I'm not talking about be a health food nut. I mean, that's you go for it. I love it. But I was, I was a bit of a junk food nut. I mean, I lived on pizza and macaroni and cheese. Now those are good things and I still eat them. I just eat very little of them and not very often. Mm-hmm. Um, so eat well, um, exercise if at all possible five times or more a week, uh, drink lots of water and sleep. And it's really amazing. No matter what crisis you're facing, if you'll do those four things, your life will be better. And yeah. I just wish, I wish desperately that I had done that. Um, faithfully over the last and, 25 years. And this is not mystical hoo-ha. This is, this is scientifically proven by lots That's and right. lots of medical research as well. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Uh, and if you listen to any leadership guru, I mean, the people I'm learning from and trying to pass on stuff to you guys, uh, they will all say the same thing. And, and they have been for a while. This is not new information, but it's stuff that we don't think about unless you're kind of in that um, in, in that headspace or, or listening space or reading space. Let's go on because we have so much to get to. Modeling time with Jesus every day. I wish my daughters would have caught me with my Bible open more or with my head bowed and my eyes closed more. And by caught, you know, I don't mean then they have to figure out what to do about it. Just they walk into a room and, oh, yeah, dad's reading the Bible because it's what he does. And I do read the Bible. I have read the Bible several times all the way through. I do devotional plans. I, I've written devotional stuff. It's not like I'm um, ignoring the word of God, although there have been weeks that have gone by in a row where I have not opened my Bible for more than what I needed to do for my job. And I just hate that. I wish that, again, that because more is caught than taught, I wish that they had caught me just spending time with Jesus in a way that made it feel very normal for them and core and essential for them. And they didn't. And some of that was because of the pattern, not just that I didn't do it, but you know, I would do it at the office where they weren't, or I would do it when they were asleep because they were asleep and I could, or, you know, whatever. But I just, I, I wish that I had done a better job of demonstrating for them the everydayliness of spending time with Jesus. I am almost to, I don't want to, to jinx it, except I believe in Jesus, not jinxes, but I don't want to, I don't want to jinx it. I'm, uh, I'm reading the Bible every day. Um, I think I'm out about 330 days in a row. I've never read the Bible every day all the way through a year. And, and I'm pretty sure I'm going to make it this time. Um, I'm 54. You guys, I should have been doing this all along. I just, I should have. And it grieves me that I didn't. And therefore my children didn't see me 
and know of me doing it. You know, lots of people notice that too, not just your children who live in your home. Mm. My, my roommate in college is uh, from India and she is not a believer. And when we lived together three years in college and when I was grumpy or did not respond in a loving way to her, she would look at me and she would say, do you need to have your quiet time? Wow. <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. I was like, oh, and she was, yeah. you know, right. <laughs> yeah. I have been looking for and talking with friends for years and years and years. Like, how do you make that a discipline? And, you know, one friend said, no Bible, no breakfast. Well, that just didn't work for me. Um, <laughs> I, read, I, I may have mentioned this in a previous podcast, but I, list, I read uh, about um, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, his, his biography by Eric Metaxas, which is amazing. And his rule of thumb was you don't listen to anybody's voice till you listen to God's voice. So um, if you were going to be a resident at his seminary, then you read your Bible first because that puts everything into the, that frames your day. And that helped me a lot. Um, And really when we get to the keystone habit, that's where it all changed for me. Okay. I'm Mm -hmm. up before everybody else. I would, I might as well use this time to its best potential and look at the mm-hmm. Bible before I look at Facebook or whatever. So yeah, just wish I'd done that better. So good. So good. Number three is fascinating to me. And again, we said it when we kicked it off, but I, I think a lot of people struggle with this, but nobody talks about it because it feels stupid. I, <laughs> I was afraid of my kids and I don't mean like I was afraid they were going to beat me up. Um, I was just afraid. <laughs> Not like that. Yeah. I, I was afraid they wouldn't love me. I was afraid they wouldn't respect me. I was afraid they wouldn't, um, they wouldn't like, I guess love is really not even the thing. I just, I was afraid they wouldn't like me. And so there were so many times where I would say yes, when I should have said no, because I was afraid they wouldn't like me. And there were a lot of times that I said no, that I should have said yes. I mean, it, Mm. it really, I wasn't always parenting from the perspective of, this is the best thing for the long-term well-being of my child, spiritually, emotionally, physically. I was thinking, oh, goodness, they may not like me if I do this or if I don't do this. And I don't get that. Go ahead. What you're talking about is number six, by the way. But I oh. think three, three and six are both, they're very, very, very similar. Yeah, they are interrelated, no doubt. Yes. And I think it has to do with the way that you were raised. I mean, not you specifically, although we are talking about you, but I think in general, um, I believe that has a lot to do with how your parents parented you and how they approach discipline and correction and boundary giving and affection. And I mean, all of the things. Yes. My dad um, and, and mom split up when I was 12. And so I, I am aware of the fact that I have had abandonment issues. My dad didn't abandon me, but he left. And, um, and so I think that has framed every relationship I've ever had. Like that's part of why I'm a people pleaser, but there's a difference in being a people pleaser in a way that is out of love and being a people pleaser in a way that's out of fear. And no more has that been more true in my life than with my children. And so I, I really, really wish that I had been able to make decisions differently, not thinking about the fact that I was afraid of my kids or that they wouldn't like me. Um, I have an an easy example and it's one of my favorites. Um, actually, and I I think it might've been my idea, but chances are I read it somewhere else. Um, 
I am a, I love the, the conversation about our identity in Christ. I think if we all understood who we are in Christ, it would change the world. Um, If just Christians, and I mean, people who are trying to follow Jesus, not just churchgoers, but Christians, if they would simply know who they are in Christ, it would change the entire world. It's an incredible, powerful truth. Um, So I developed a, in coordination with reading a couple of books by Neil Anderson, um, Victory Over the Darkness and, uh, oh, the other one, which is great. They're both awesome. Um, But he has um, a list of statements at the end of one of those books about identity in Christ. Like I am a child of God based on first John. So um, I compiled all of those things into a document. And then I looked up the scripture verses and, and I made all the scripture verses into a document. And then I wrote those verses with an expo marker on their bathroom mirror so that every day, every time they went to the bathroom morning and night to get ready for school or to get ready for bed or whatever, they would have to either read the verse or choose to ignore the verse, but it was there. And they just thought that was stupid at whatever age. Like, why are there verses on our mirror? This is stupid. And so I, I stopped. Like, are you serious? Why did I stop that? Because I was afraid that they wouldn't like me. And that's not okay. I wish that I had continued. And it's really, really fascinating because I've heard both of them in the last year mention the verses on the mirror. Like they remember that. And so the things that I was motivated to do out of love, I chose not to do then out of fear. And I just, I wish that I had not been afraid of my kids. That's, that was a long story, but man, it's really powerful. So please don't be afraid of your children. Um, Love Love them from a place of being loved by your heavenly father and try to treat them the way that he would treat you. And you will be a better parent than I was. And that's going to include not making them happy sometimes. <laughs> yes. Because, and we're not always happy, you know, God's right. more interested in our, in our holiness than our happiness. And so when, uh, when you're raising children to become um, holy ones and, and not happy ones, then there will be times that, the answer is yes when they wish it was no and no when you wish it was yes and later when they wish it was now and all those things. So, yeah. Um, as a part of that, actually number four is, is close to number three, the whole concept of family devotion. Um, that just sounds so, I don't even know how to say this without being disrespectful. It sounds so freakishly weird to me. Um, and I think it's because of the language and my association with the language. <laughs> there are people who talk about having a family altar. And I think, Gosh, like, you mean like an altar where they sacrifice blood lambs and bulls and uh, turtle doves and stuff? Um, it's a weird religious churchy thing. It, it is. And the language makes it that way. But I just want to encourage you that the language doesn't need to be weird and the experience doesn't need to be weird and it doesn't need to be grand. It doesn't need to be epic. You know, the whole concept of family devotional can be, hey, before we pray for dinner tonight, I just want to tell you, for 45 seconds, what I read today in the Bible, like start there. And if that seems to be something that catches on and seems to be having an influence after months, then say, Hey, before we sit down to dinner, could we sing a song together? And if you don't play an instrument, there's, you know, like iTunes and Spotify and (laughs) YouTube and all of those things. So yeah, find a song that your kids like and sing it with them and teach them to worship at home. It doesn't have to be, we're going to have a church service every night for 45 minutes. It just, I think should be something. And again, consistency over grandiosity is probably going to make 
all the difference in the world. And I so wish that I had been a better spiritual leader. I wish I'd been a pastor in my home as much as I was a pastor at my church so that we would have done that as a family. And I, again, I don't think it crippled them. I just think they would be, they would be farther down the road of faith now if we had done that when we were together. So yeah, family devotional time, whatever that, whatever language you can use to make that feel like it's okay for you and for your children would be great. Yeah, change it, change it to something else. Yeah. I, I just want to encourage everybody who's listening to this to know that it's going to look different with every single family because you are different than Mm -hmm. Rod or me or other parents and families have different rhythms. They have different routines. And so there's not a particular thing that you must do to make this successful. Just somewhere in there, somewhere in your day, make time for Jesus as a family. Um, For us right now in the season that we are in, we try to start and end the day with reading scripture. In the mornings, my kids were trying to learn Spanish. So I have a Spanish English NIV Bible and the kids read a verse in Spanish and then a verse in English, even though they don't pronounce it right. And so we're working our way through some scripture that way. And then at night, if my husband is here, he reads out of some book that we're kind of working our way through. And then we pray together. It's it's nothing super fancy or grand or we don't plan ahead of time. We just say, this is what we do. And so, and at other times of our lives when they were younger, it looked way different than that. And it'll probably Mm -hmm. look different when they're all teenagers. That's okay. And, and as you were saying that, I, rem- I was kind of flashing back to when our girls were li- really little and they wouldn't go to bed without bedtime prayers. Like they craved that time. And, and Jackie and I would take turns. Uh, and I loved that time. But then they got to where, yeah, we don't really need to do bedtime prayers, do we? And the answer was, because I was afraid, the answer was, no, that's okay. You can just do them by yourself. Well, I really wish I had gone from them hearing my praying voice to me hearing their praying voice and then maybe for us to hear one another's praying voice as they progressed through just age maturation, but also spiritual maturation. I think my relationship with them would be better now. And I think they would be better equipped to be moms if that happens in their life. And and I hope that they get that opportunity. So number five is praying. Yeah. There's only one more on the list for today and that's (laughs) praying for them daily. Um, Praying about their future, praying for, um, for them to know what to do with their lives. You know, I I don't think I remembered when I was in my mid thirties, what it was like to be 16 and 17 so that I could pray for them when they were newborns. So that when they were 16 and 17, I could have already been praying for them to have clarity about God's direction for their life. Uh, I sure didn't pray as often as I wish I had for their future husbands I have prayed for that. I've prayed for it every year of their lives. I've probably prayed for it most months of their lives, but not even every month. I I should have done that daily. I should is a harsh word. I don't want to impose guilt on myself or others. I think I would have been happier with myself if I had prayed for them daily for their future husbands. And now that they're in that season of life where, you know, some guy could propose to them, It might be the guy that they're dating now, and it might be the next guy they date. I'm not assigning any intent um, or any knowledge of anything, um, I promise. But it's just, this is the season of life they're in. They're in their early 20s, mid-20s. And this is when 
girls get proposed to. And so I just, I wish I had the comfort in knowing that I had prayed every day for their future husband and that God was going to be answering that prayer when some guy asked them to marry them. Um, I just, yeah, I wish I prayed more and I wish I prayed more specifically. And I don't, again, if you're, if you're also an empty nester or you're older than me or your kids are gone or whatever, uh, I don't want you to feel like you're a failure if you didn't do that either. I just want you to pass along to somebody else. Hey, you can do it better than I did. And that's really my heart behind these, the, this two part episode. I think of worship leader friends I have who are now raising young children. And I, I really want them to do better than me. I, I want their kids to have the benefit of the things that I learned that people didn't tell me. I didn't read a book that had this stuff when I was a parent. I did read on parenting. Probably every year I read a parenting book and I love that. Um, I, I think I could come up with 10 ways that I crushed it as a worship pastor dad, just like I've come up with 10 ways I blew it as a worship pastor dad. I don't think they're necessarily as interesting and they're certainly not, you know, you can find ways to succeed perhaps more easily than you can avoid ways to fail. And so I just want to help you avoid ways that feel like I could have done better and better. Yeah. On most of these, I give myself a C or a D not an F. Um, but man, I, I don't like C's and D's. I like A's. I like A pluses a lot. Not that I got that many of them in school ever, but in life I like to do that. And so I want to help younger folks, um, just benefit from the ways that I, I wish I had done better. Do you have any closing thoughts, Bethany? Oh, I'm so glad for grace. There was a, a season in my life where my husband was working a hundred hours a week. And I just said to the Lord, I can't be a dad and a mom to these kids. And do you know what the Lord impressed on my heart? He said, I will fill up all the missing spaces. Mm. And it, I, I clung to that. I really yeah. did. So if that's where you're at right now today, and there's a bunch of missing spaces in your life, I just want you to know that the Lord loves you and he is able. He is able to fill up missing spaces. And he loves he your children. Ways, yeah, and he does it in ways that only he can do. That's right. And, I, and I trust in that. And I'm so grateful for the parent who told me more than a decade ago, I have no idea who it is. I wish I could remember God is a better parent than we are. And it's just one of the phrases I have clung to a thousand times, even as my children have become adults and I, I want to parent them, but I can't anymore because they're adults, but God still can because he's always our heavenly father. And I'm so grateful for that. The podcast is called, so every soul sings worship for the real church. And we just talked about parenting and you might wonder if there's a connection. And I just want to tell you that there is, it's not just a parenting of the whole at home worship kind of experience that, that I'm encouraging you to do better than I did. But when you get, um, when you get to church on Sunday and your children are standing next to you or you're on stage and they're standing in the crowd watching you lead the way that you have parented, the way you have pastored at home shapes everything about the way that your children will worship in church and honestly about the way your people will worship in church. So you are a pastor at home before you're a pastor at church. And, and by pastor, I think you pastor from the stage, whether you're the, the worship leader or not. I think everybody on stage who is leading worship pastors. Um, so be a pastor at home 
and and I mean that for men and women. It's it's not a gender thing. It's not a there's no ordination council. This is but if you are the spiritual leader in your home, lead at home and lead at home with grace and truth, like Jesus has led you, and it will make your worship experience better, richer, deeper, um, higher, all of those things. And it will certainly do the same for your children as they grow up. So press on. God has great things ahead. Thanks for listening. Next week, we're going to come back and you will hear numbers six through 10 in a little bit more detail. And I really can't wait to get to number 10 and describe for you what a difference it has made in my life. And uh, I'm excited for you to hear a little bit about how my failures can become your successes. So thanks for listening. Um, Worship for the real church, man. We're just keeping it real. As as the youngsters used to say, I'm too old to say what they say now. So keeping it real (laughs) is what we're trying to do. And I am so grateful that, um, that I get to be a part of a tribe of people that are more interested in being real than they are and being fancy or slick or whatever. So thanks for listening. Um, We'll see you next time. Thank you, Bethany. You're awesome. See ya. Bye, everybody.